Welcome to The Spin Cycle. I'm Maggie Sarachek. And I'm Abby Greenberg. And And together, together we are the Anxiety Sisters. In this, our fourth episode of The Spin Cycle, we are going to talk about panic attacks, what they are, and how to manage them. So buckle your seatbelts and get ready for spin class. I can't think of two scarier words in the English language than panic and attack. They freak me out just hearing them. Well, that's why we call it spinning. Hey, you remember that time when we went to look for anxiety books at Barnes & Noble? I think we were in Hoboken. Remember we went to the anxiety section and every book we saw had titles like When Panic Attacks and all that. Do you remember what what happened? Yes, I think we had to leave it after about like two minutes because we were both so freaked out. And do you remember what I had to do? What do you have to do? Come on, you remember. You probably had to take an Ativan. I did. I did. I I stood in the street and took an Ativan from reading the words panic attacks. So I don't know if uh, other sisters out there are like us, but we've decided spinning is much easier to swallow. So Mags. Tell me about your panic attack. I mean, spinning episodes. My symptoms mainly are around my stomach. I get nauseous. I can't keep food down. I can't eat. I get very sensitive to smell, to light, to noise of any kind. Headaches too, right? No, not really headaches, but I get very, very sensitive to any kind of noise. If someone tries to talk to me, it's very, very difficult for me. I also get very dizzy and I get hot and the world just starts to spin around me. Literally, I can't seem to stand still. Everything is just spinning around me. And can you feel it coming on or is it very sudden? It's pretty sudden. And it's all the symptoms at once? It's pretty much all the symptoms at once. And the way I know that I'm actually, I know this sounds crazy, but the way I know that I'm actually not sick, but I'm having a panic attack. Spinning, you're spinning. That I'm spinning, oops, yes, that I'm spinning is often that I'm dry heaving a lot. Oh, okay. Nothing's actually coming out. I'm dry heaving a lot. And that's one of the ways I know that it's panic and not illness. Okay. And how long, do, how long does a, a spinning episode last for you? Well, I've said this before, but doctors always tell you that they yeah, last about yeah, 60 yeah, minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But for me, they can last all day. Right. You've had, the longest one you've had would, would be how long, you think? Oh, days. Days, exactly. Days of it. Days, days of, it. of it. And even if doctors would say that you had 72 hours yes. of repeat panic, yeah. whatever it is, it is. It's three days. No, of absolutely days spinning. of it. Oh, no question. And the only relief I get is when I, I usually can sleep. Okay. So that, that for me gives me some relief. Do you have to take any medication during an episode? You know, I used to take... I've taken Ativan and I've taken Xanax. I don't anymore, mainly because they ha- they have this weird side effect of causing depression in me, mm. which is unusual. So you have to just sort of ride it out. Yes, I have to ride it out. I don't really get those type of very long episodes. I- I'll get nervous now. I don't get panic attacks well, right, anymore, right. but I did. There was a point where I just went to let me just get through this otherwise I was also dealing with depression 
you know, so I was not only panicking, but I was crying all the time. <laughs> That's a great combo. Yeah. You yes. were, you were fun. Yes. Yes. So Abs, tell me about your spinning episodes. Your spin class. Yeah, my spin class. Uh, really fun. I have to say some of the best times we've ever had. Um, well, it's a workout, isn't it? Oh my God. Some of the most intense cardio I've ever done. Absolutely. <laughs> spinning. So my symptoms were very different from yours. Um, so? Didn't, they didn't affect my stomach. You know, I could have eaten right through the whole thing. But mine were sort of those stereotypic cardiac mm-hmm. symptoms. You know, I would get the chest tightness and I would feel like there was a herd of elephants sitting on me. And then I couldn't breathe very well. So I would start gasping a little bit for air, kind of like shallow. Hyperventilating. Yeah, a little yeah. bit like that. I Like panting a little bit almost. I too got extremely hot. Um, I think a lot of people get hot when Me they, too. because your body is, your heart's beating faster and that's right, generating yeah, heat. Yeah. My pulse would go, go up quite a bit. Um, dizziness. Absolutely. You know, I, I started to get the left arm tingling and numbing. And, and I think that was from me saying to myself, Oh my God, I'm having a heart attack. Wait a minute. If I were having a heart attack, my left arm would be numb. Wait, my left arm is numb. Oh, but if I was having a heart attack, then I would feel, sh- Oh my God, I'm shaking. And that, <laughs> yeah. that's sort of how it was happening yeah. for me is that I, got cardiac symptoms, assumed I was having a heart attack, then freaked out about having the heart attack, which made the symptoms worse, and then I would end up in the ER, which I did several times. So that's how my panic attack went. My spin my spin cycles. Your that's spin cycles. Personal spin cycles, that's how they yes. went. Like you, because I've been on an SSRI for quite some time now, I don't get spinning episodes as severe as that anymore. I don't get the cardiac symptoms anymore. I mean, I, you know, I, I certainly will get a rapid heartbeat and maybe a little bit of shortness of breath, but nothing, you know, no chest pain or nothing. Right, no you mo- haven't been to the emergency room in a while. Oh, gosh. Knock on wood. Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't been to the emergency room for that in a while. Um, but uh, it's, I think, you know, it's obviously because I've been on an SSRI for quite a while and that has, you know, staved off the, the ultra-intense episodes that I would have. You've also found Ativan really helpful. Yeah. Well, well, my episodes would last typically about an hour to two, Mm -hmm. I found, although I I never really rode one out all the way from beginning to end without Ativan, which is a benzodiazepine. Uh, And it has, for me, that has immediate sedative effects. So I, I seem to get a lot of panic attacks in the car. So I would end up like driving home like a maniac Getting... I think transportation is a place people get a lot of panic attacks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Apparently for me that was true. And so I would drive home, crawl into bed, quickly pop an Ativan and go right to sleep. And when I woke up, I was totally fine. But right. the Ativan completely shut it down for me. And, and, so, and I didn't have the depression side effect. So I'm grateful that, that I have something that works. And if I were to start having severe cardiac symptoms again, then I would absolutely pop an Ativan. Just to be clear with everyone, I do take an SSRI I just can't take a benzodiazepine. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, you, I, so I can't take Ativan or Xanax. You but can't take something take... to halt an attack. Maybe, right. But, whereas I can take something that will, will calm me down within 15 to 20 minutes. Right. So that's the difference. So Abs, we've interviewed a lot of anxiety sisters at this point, and we've heard just about every symptom, like rashes and, and itching, um, tingling, yes. hands going numb. That's me. Right. We had that one person told us that she could feel her entire digestive process from throat all the way out the other side. Somebody could feel their pancreas, their sharp pains, their, you know, really anything that can be felt in the body can be a symptom. Great. 
<laughs> well, no, it's true. <laughs> uh, but, you know, what we thought would be helpful at this point is to talk about a few symptoms we call headbangers. Why? Because they make us want to bang our head against the wall. Yes, they're they're particularly frightening and disconcerting. And um, it was interesting. We interviewed more than 300 women and a good amount, I don't know the percentage off the uh-huh. top of my head, but a good amount told us they had some of these symptoms and that, and they expressed concern that, that that was the part that made them the most frightened. Right. And so we thought we would talk about these and reassure everyone that they're actually pretty typical panic symptoms, according to the medical literature. And according to all the women that we've interviewed. Exactly. They're, they're, Including each other. We right. both had them too. So it turns out that, that the symptoms we're going to talk about, our headbangers, are, are really quite common. So uh, they'll probably freak you out like they freaked us out, but at least you can know that you're not alone and that it's fairly typical. Right. The first one that we're going to talk about is, we like to call it floating, and we've come to call it floating because doctors call it disassociation or sometimes depersonalization. Which reminds you of like right. multiple personalities. You start right. to worry, oh my God, I'm really crazy. Right. <laughs> so floating is basically when you feel like you're looking at yourself from outside your body. Yeah. You feel like your mind and body are kind of like, the, we, we describe it as like the ghost phenomenon. You feel like your mind and body are separated. Yeah, yeah. Like, you remember that scene from Ghost with Patrick Swayze yeah. where he's been killed and then he sort of rises out of his body and starts to look down and see what's going on and he can hear the people around him? I, I love Patrick Swayze so much. I loved him. Okay. We can't go there because we both really loved him. Okay. Now he's gone. I just want to dance with him. Oh. So anyway, I have to say this, that remember, I was in my early 20s when I started getting anxiety attacks. This is the symptom where I went to my therapist and I, and I said, you know, am I in the beginning of a schizophrenic episode? Yeah. Um, When it happened to me and it happened in my very first spinning episode, uh, it happened to me and I remember I could I was above myself looking down and I heard myself say something's not right. Right. But I didn't say it, but I heard myself say it. And all I could think of is, oh my God, this is, I am, I am now separating into multiple personalities. <laughs> yeah. I am really, I am going to be institutionalized for the rest of my life. I felt very, very similar. Like I don't know if I'm going to be able to live in the world anymore. Yeah. Like, it's, I, it's just so frightening. And I, and I didn't know that. Eventually, you float back down into yeah, your body. It does. It, it's you know, it's a protective mechanism mm-hmm. that your brain uses to you know, when you're totally freaked out in a given situation, it's your brain's way of getting you out of there, right? Without actually making you run out of there. So there, that's the the medical reason for it. But I, I truly did not know at the time that this is common. No, me neither. And I was afraid to talk about it because I thought if I tell my doctor about this, you know, when I told the doctor about the cardiac symptoms, he was nodding and nodding and nodding. And I thought if I start to mention that I also depersonalized during this, I thought the doctor's going to be like, yeah, that I floated. I thought the doctor would be like, okay, nurse, can we bring in those, (laughs) bring in those restraints? I did too. I, I remember saying to my therapist, like, will you tell me if this is the beginning of like a schizophrenic? Kind of and lots of anxiety illness. sisters have told us they felt the same way. So the bad news is this could happen to you. But the good news is, is that you're not in the midst of a psychotic break. It's a very typical response to panic in the body. Another one of our headbangers is, well, what everyone likes to call obsessive thinking. Now, anyone who knows me knows that I generally don't obsess over things, but during a panic attack, 
I can only think about one thing, which may be like, I'm so sick, or I'm going to die, or whatever the thought that I'm having during the panic attack is. I just think about it over and over and over, and I can't distract myself from that thought. Has that happened to you? Yeah, definitely. It becomes sort of a mantra of its own right. that you can't get out of your head, so you feel like you're a prisoner to it. Yes. Yeah. Yep. You know, and, and it's frustrating because you want it out of your head. You, mm-hmm. you know, you're aware that it is That's not really helping things. That's a good way things. to put it, that you are a prisoner to it. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's very common. A lot of people will start to say, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going right. to die. And that, of course, intensifies the anxiety, so... Right. So another headbanger, uh, I'm really good at this one, is catastrophizing. Okay, tell me about that. That's basically when you make a mountain out of a molehill. Mm -hmm. That's what catastrophizing is. It's taking something that's, you know, relatively normal experience and turning it into an utter disaster. I'll give you an example. If my, when I had, my son was a baby, I mean, I remember that he woke up one day sneezing Mm -hmm. and I remember I had to go to work, and I kept calling my husband from work to ask him if he thought that that John had meningitis. Now, does this happen during a panic attack? It can. It okay. can. It can. It, or just if you're intensely, if you have that intense anxiety that's sort of pervasive and doesn't go away for days and days and days. Right. Then this can can be part of it. I also find that when you're spinning, your brain goes from one obsessive thought to the next and some of these obsessive thoughts can be to catastrophes okay so like I said my son was sneezing and I was concerned he had viral meningitis right and my husband kept saying to me why do you why are you thinking about meningitis he just sneezed he probably if anything it's a cold mm-hmm. and I was like check, can you check his neck does he can he hold his neck right and you know I, I would do that and not just around my kids but at other things as well I you know would see a funny looking mark on me and be like oh, that's melanoma. I can do that. That's one of my generalized right. worry. But you feel it gets worse during a, pa- a particularly panicky time. When, when I'm particularly panicky, then I go off the rails with it. And I'll tell you this, when I went to the emergency room several times for my anxiety, although I was sure I was having a heart attack, the doctor actually said to me, you're, you're turning this into something it's not. You're making this a catastrophe. Mm. You are taking an anxiety episode and turning it into a full-blown heart attack in your mind. Well, that leads into our next one, which is really that fear of dying. And I just want to separate this out for a second because some people have a phobia about death. Thanatophobia. Thanatophobia. Right. Hmm. Fear of death. Um, Yeah. So some people, that's a particular phobia that they have. But we're not talking about that. We're not talking about that right now. We're talking about when we are having a spinning episode that you're not going to survive that episode right because of what you're experiencing in the episode right because that you really believe that you're having a heart attack or stomach cancer stomach cancer or i mean the the physical symptoms are so intense that you feel that death is a very real possibility exactly and what's more terrifying than thinking you're going to drop dead any second? And again, it's one of those things that only intensifies the panic attack, but we all cope with it. Right. I mean, we all deal with it, but it, it does serve that purpose, like catastrophizing of... And I have to say that one thing I love about my Ativan, and I know, you know they're probably yeah. going to call me to represent them in yeah. every advertisement, I mean, yes. um, but the reason that it works so well for me is because it completely stops that kind of obsessive thinking and catastrophizing. Oh, that goes so away from me completely. It, my mind just starts to just relax. It's that's almost so like it's like I feel like my brain goes in a hamster wheel, right? When I'm catastrophizing, yes. or when you're obsessive thinking. Uh-huh. You know, you told me yeah. it's felt that way yes. too. Like you're yeah, you're absolutely. racing for your life on like a treadmill. And for me, 
the Ativan, it's just a small amount. I take, at the time of a panic attack, I'll take a half a milligram, which is an extraordinarily small dose, but it's just enough that it stops that wheel. Oh, that's wonderful. And then I can breathe more deeply, and then I start to say to myself, yeah, I probably am not having a heart attack. Right. I mean, and that is one of the things also when you've had years of experience with spinning episodes or panic attacks, some part of you may still believe that you're about to die, but another part of you can say, okay, I know what this is. Which I think explains why you and I, I mean, we've been doing this together for 30 years, right? I mean, I've experienced how many hundreds of attacks on the phone with you, right? right? I mean, you, you were the first person I called every time, and I know that was true for you as, with me as well. But I have noticed that as the years have gone by and we've done all this research and we've met all these people and have had the fortune of talking to so many anxiety sisters that I think that we do still have that wonder for just a second. Oh my God, is this my time? Is it over for me? Yes. But then it it very quickly goes to, no, 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 we're anxiety sisters and that's what happens when we go out for a spin. That's a symptom of spinning, not a symptom of death. (laughs) I mean, and, I mean, yeah. that's how yeah. I feel about it. So yes, I, me too. I, although, me too. you know, I mean, what's the most common thing I say to you? Yes. Do you think this is right. Right. I mean, we're not, we're not saying that totally goes away, but you, but sometimes we notice that we can pull ourselves back. Now. I, I've had this cough for a few weeks now. We know that I have a cold and we know that I'm susceptible to pneumonia, but I still call you, I would say at least twice a day to ask you if I have lung cancer. Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's catastrophizing. Right. Um, and right. you make me laugh about it, and re- that reminds me that I'm an anxiety sister, which is, well, and, and so I can laugh about it. But that mechanism's still there, right? Even even though I'm, I feel like I have mostly recovered, right? You know, I, I would say I manage my panic eighty percent of the time, even more sometimes. So I'm getting better at managing it. But that thought, yes, still shows up. I, I think that's one of the hallmarks of anxiety. We're going to take a 10-second break to take some deep breaths and cough up some phlegm, and then we'll be right back with part two of the podcast. Don't go away. So now that we've discussed spinning episodes, the big question is, What can be done to stop them, or at least slow them down? So, if you're already spinning, we have some strategies that we think could really help. They do. They really do help. Um, What's our first one? Uh, The first one is TLC, which stands for talk to yourself, loosen all constraints, and cool down. So, what do we mean by talk to yourself? Well, basically, I like to have a mantra prepared for myself. A mantra meaning a phrase you can repeat. Right. And and actually, one of our Facebook friends, Sheila, is really great in that she carries her mantras laminated with her. Yeah. Yeah, I like that idea. And we actually have on our website some mantras that people can print up and take with them places, too. Right. So my favorite mantra during a spinning episode is, this too shall pass. Yeah. That's the one that I tend to hold on to. What do you hold on to? I, I actually say to myself, breathe in, breathe out. Breathe in, breathe out. Just the, I like that sort of da-dum, da-dum. And right. I say it aloud. It's really important to say the mantras aloud. Because somehow when your brain hears you talking, 
it responds better than if you just do it in your head. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's scientifically proven. Right. And, and I do it often sort of over my obsessive thinking. Mm-hmm. So I am thinking, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. But then I am also saying to myself, out loud is really important, especially like when you're having obsessive thinking, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. And it's like when we talked about feeling imprisoned by a, an obsessive or repetitive thought, it's almost like you're trying to replace that thought with one that is freeing. Right. And one of the things that's important to me during panic attacks is that my intention, during spinning episodes, sorry, my intention is never to, to try to say to myself, I'm going to stop this attack or I'm going to stop this spinning episode. My intention is... I'm going to do whatever I can to make myself as comfortable as possible. But I am going to ride the wave. I am going to go with the flow of this. Well, it's like being in a rip current, right? Spinning is just like being in a rip current. I don't know. Have you ever been in a rip current? I have. Okay, I have too. If you fight that rip current, what happens? You get, you only end up further and further exactly. from shore. Exactly. You get dragged further and further from shore, and then you're exhausted. Right. And you're more likely to drown. Right. So what they always say, I live in Florida, and so rip currents are a big topic of conversation. Uh-huh. And what they always say, all the experts, swim with the rip current. Right. You you swim parallel to shore exactly. with the rip current. Eventually, it will let you go. Exactly. And I think that that's what you were talking about when yes. you said ride the wave, and that sometimes if, you're, if your goal is to stop the panic attack, it's, it's like fighting it. It will only make it worse. Right. It's, it will be even stronger than you are. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's talking. That's what our T stands right. for. Then L is loosen all constraints. Okay. So for me, it's two words. Get naked. <laughs> By this, I mean, take off your bra, your underwear, the scrunchie pulling your hair back, literally your seatbelt, anything that is binding you in any way, because that constraint constricts your blood flow and you're already feeling very hot and bothered from the spinning incident and so that constricted blood flow makes it worse. So I find that just stripping down as much as I can really helps. I mean clearly if you're at the office I wouldn't recommend whipping off your shirt and bra let's say in the boardroom but you know if you can even get into the bathroom into a stall and take off your bronze to get it in your purse for a little while just kind of breathe a little bit or if you happen to be lucky enough to be home then <laughs> drop trowel you know what about the idea that some people like to be swaddled when they're having yes. a panic attack and and I'm not one of them me but, neither yeah, but yes i mean i don't even like to be touched when i'm when i'm spinning but uh, you know Polly the goat, uh-huh. our, our anxiety goat yes. that we often have pictures of on our website on well, Facebook. Yeah, on Facebook. Yeah, well, Polly um, needs to be swaddled, and that's why she wears those tight costumes because those make her feel better. And in fact, that's true of a lot of people. Some people like a weighted blanket, mm-hmm. but I still think that TLC is the majority. Right. I think the majority does better with loosening the constraints. If you're one of those swaddler people, then ignore the L. Then make it TSC. <laughs> talk to yourself out loud, swaddle yourself, and cool down. But for most people, it's going to be talk to yourself, loosen all constraints, and cool down. Okay, so the C, as you've heard, is cool down. Cool down. This one is probably the most important for me because I tend to get very, very, very hot. In fact, since I've started spinning... My whole body temperature has changed in in terms of I used to be the person that always had a sweater on at 80 degrees, and now I am hot all the time. I can attest to this because as we speak, we are in a hotel room, which is set at 62 degrees. 
Exactly. And I am in a jacket. Exactly. <laughs> and um, so one of my favorite things to do is if it is cool enough out, and even if it's cold out, I go out for a brisk walk. Yeah. Um, and I'm not doing that for exercise. I'm doing that because it just, it helps. The cool air. Yeah, the cool air definitely helps with the whole issue of dissociation and floating, as we so call if, it. So if you're lucky enough to live in Florida like me, uh, you don't really have very many days where you'd want to go out for a walk in the cool breeze, but you have your car's air conditioner, which you can aim at your face and blast. And you can um, buy those bottle fans where you can put ice water in the fan, in mm-hmm. the bottle, squirt yourself, and then the fan goes. Right. And it really feels nice and cool, almost like you're in the snow. Right. Some <laughs> people use popsicles, ice packs. Absolutely. Even just spraying very cold water on my face. I mean, honestly, cold showers in mm-hmm. Florida are, are wonderful for me. Um, so right. that's TLC or TSC if you're a swaddler. Another strategy that I found to be really helpful and a lot of anxiety sisters feel it helps them as well, although Maggie's not one of them, is to do deep breathing. And it's a very specific type of breathing. It's an inhale on a four count, a hold on a two count, and an exhale on a four count. So it it goes like this. And I'm counting in my head as I'm doing it, and I've learned the length of the breath from doing it so many times, but it's in, two, three, four, hold, two, out, two, three, four. That's great. I'm just someone who's always found that when I try, in the midst of a spinning episode, when I try to do breathing, I just, it makes me start to hyperventilate no matter what I try to do. But it's a great technique for those for whom it works. And the reason it works is because as if you slow down your breathing, that slows down your whole entire body's response to this panic that you have going on. It makes, you know, the respiration slows down, so the heart rate slows down. And the heart rate slows down, all the other processes, the muscles clenching and everything else slows down and releases. And so that's the, the theory behind the, the breathing exercises. A third great technique to use when you're out for a spin is a, a strategy called grounding. And grounding works like this. It's very simple. The idea is that you want to bring yourself back to the ground, right? So that while you're spinning, you're floating, or you're, you know, you're not yourself, you're spinning around. And the idea behind grounding is making things more tangible so that you bring your feet back to the ground. And so I'll tell you how this works. You do five things, okay? And you use all five of your senses while you're doing these five things. First, you think of one thing that you can see. Wherever you are, focus on one thing you can see. The next thing you do is focus on one smell, something you can smell right then and there. And if you can't smell something right then and there, think about a, recall a smell. Think of a smell that you can bring up readily that, um, maybe a strong smell that's comforting to you. And then the third thing you do is think of a taste, something that tastes really good to you. And if you're eating something at the time, then that would work. Or you can once again recall something that you've eaten or tasted before. Then... You move to your hands and think about something that you've touched that is very soothing to you or actually touch something. It doesn't even have to be soothing. If you're sitting near a metal table, put your hands on the metal table and feel what that feels like. Feel the coolness of the metal and the hardness of it. It's just, The idea is that you're distracting yourself 
by making your senses work for you and keep you in the here and now. And of course, your final sense is your sense of hearing. And once again, you want to think about something you can hear. So if there are birds chirping nearby, focus on that. Or if you hear someone screaming in the background for you to come help them with something, then you can focus on the sound of their voice. Whatever it is, you're forcing your, your body to ground itself in the here and now. And that very often will be just enough distraction to, um, to stop the spinning. So going along with the whole technique of grounding, there's another thing that we always use called spin kits. And these are basically your spinning preparation kits. This is anything that you're going to need to help you get through a spin cycle. And so how it connects, in a sense, with grounding is a lot of things that are in my personal spin kit are things that... I can use to soothe my senses during a panic or spinning episode. So for example, I might have something that smells like lavender. It might be lotion that I could put on. It might be perfume or a spray because that's a soothing smell for me. And Abby talked about smell as part of the grounding process. Likewise, I will usually, I'm usually pretty nauseous. So I'll keep something like a peppermint with me because those really strong tastes I find are also something that helps ground me. I might keep, you know, something that will help me cool off quickly, maybe a washcloth with me. And so I could just go wet it and that will help me cool off. For me, something I always keep is like something to do with my hands. Like Abby said, like when you want to touch something. So, so maybe you keep something that's soothing to touch in your spin kit. I keep in mind some crochet work or some sort of needlework, because that helps ground me. And all these things are not to stop the spinning, but they're really to help you ground yourself and get through the whole... They're a way to use your senses. And, and, and the key is that they're readily accessible in a kit. Right. In other words, they're not all random things thrown in a giant you know, the giant purse that Maggie has that I call the void where, right. you know, things go in there and you never see them again. Right. You want it readily accessible. I mean, I use like a little cosmetic bag and I keep my spin kit in there and I take that with me wherever I go so that if I'm going to find myself in a situation where I'm spinning, then I already have a lot of my grounding set up for me. I keep, right. uh, I have this little tiny stuffed chicken that has fur is so soft it's fake fur but it's really really soft and so I immediately take that and I stroke it when I'm spinning and it and it, it grounds me it reorients me to what's happening now versus the sort of right. dissociating and, and you also may want to keep sometimes medication in your spin kit like if if uh, hell yeah if Ativan <laughs> is going to help you or stomach medication is going to help yeah, you whatever comes if you're a burper yeah whatever you need <laughs> So everything's sort of accessible in there. You, um, some people carry around their mantras in a spin kit. I do keep. I keep a mantra in mine. I do uh, because you, what you. The idea is you want to give yourself some preparation. And some people have told us, and certainly Maggie and I feel this way, that just ha knowing you have this kit, mm -hmm. that you have this preparation, it's in its own way staves off these episodes because. You're prepared for it. So uh -huh. there's not the sense of, oh my God, what will I do? Right. It's, okay, here's what I'll do. Right. Here's my plan. Here's my plan. Now we realize that sometimes with, even with the best medication and your, and your 
cooling down and you're saying mantras to yourself and you're grounding yourself and you have your spin kit. Some, sometimes it's all for naught. Some, some days, some spinning episodes, nothing seems to help. They're just going to take you down. They're just going to take you down. <laughs> and so we do believe in, in, in dibs. We call it dibs, which is diving into bed. Right. And what we're saying is just like we've been telling you to ride the wave Using these other techniques, Div is its very own version of Ride the Wave. If the wave is too powerful for any of your other interventions, then diving into bed is, once again, riding it out. Right, and and sometimes it even helps to do it for a really short amount of time. So it's not saying I have to do it all day or even for an hour. Sometimes for me, just just doing it for 15 minutes just to get myself together. But there are times where I've been in bed for a day. Oh, yeah, and or we all more. have. Yeah, we, have. we call them dip days. And and all the anxiety sisters we've talked to have had dip days. And I think that you should give yourself the permission to take them when you need them. If you're at the office and you are spinning and nothing you are doing is stopping the spinning, how productive are you going to be at work anyway? Right. And And here's the thing that we always say. If you find yourself having a lot of dib days, a lot of days in bed, then you know that you need to change your intervention. You need to change what you're doing. Because then then your spinning is managing you. Right. Rather than the other way around. And I don't necessarily believe in total recovery if you're a spinner. I think that there's there's always gonna be some part of your of your existence that's gonna have, you know anxiety. Right. But perhaps not severe. Not severe, not panic maybe. Yeah. But the but the point is is that when it's managing you, then you need to take steps to intervene. But occasionally having a dib day, that's you managing it. Right, right. That's you taking care of yourself. That, absolutely. If you want to know more about any of the techniques that we've talked about, like dib or spin kits, grounding, breathing, please check out our blog at www.anxietysisters.com. On our next podcast, we will be discussing obsessive compulsive disorder, or OCD, and we will have a special guest who will share her experiences and insights as a longtime anxiety sister. Please know we love to hear from our listeners, so if you have any questions, comments, or you just want to say hello, you can reach out to us at anxietysisters.com or on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Thank you so much for joining us. And remember, Anxiety Anxiety Sisters sisters Don't Go It Alone. alone. You have been listening to The Spin Cycle, an Anxiety Sisters production. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.